0: Today's guest is the co-founder of Garbage, performer, songwriter and producer Butch Vig. You can catch his band at the Roseland tonight on the version 2.0 20th anniversary tour. The band is set to perform their 1998 album in its entirety. I'm Gregory Day listening to pdxpodcast.com. Bear in mind that Butch Vig is a huge Green Bay Packers fan and even helmed a popular reworking of Go Pack Go for the team. More on that shortly. Let's take the Lambeau leap with Butch Vig right now. Hello butch big hello how are you
1: I'm pretty good how are you Greg?
0: Fantastic Wow you sound great
1: I'm pretty good I got a I've got a big mug of coffee and I just came down to my studio here We're home for a few days we just got back from the European uh, leg of the garbage tour and, and uh, so I'm just enjoying a couple days off where we, we hit the road here in the. US
0: Right is that the magic coffee with the butter? It is. <laughs>
1: yeah, how did you know that?
0: I think I read an interview where you were having bulletproof coffee. And I know that that's yeah, very popular yeah. nowadays. It tastes fantastic. And
1: this is not even, yeah, it's not even bulletproof. It's just butter and maple syrup and coffee. You know, I thought... <laughs> it's really good.
0: Wow. I thought I was the only one that put maple syrup in my coffee.
1: Oh, man, amazing. I've been putting maple syrup in my coffee for, yeah, for 10 years. Yeah, it's, it's really good.
0: You're kidding. Is that a Wisconsin thing?
1: I, that's where, yeah, we used to get it. Uh, there was a coffee place uh, downtown off the square. I used to go to it called Ancora, and they uh, used to have. I think it was called like a Maple Flat White or something. It was like just a flat white, you know, a coffee, but they put a, a shot of maple syrup in there, and it's it's really good. So they called it a Maple Flat. That was it.
0: There we go. But
1: okay. uh, damn tasty. Yeah,
0: that's great. Coffee tips with Butch Vig. <laughs> Now, I understand you were in the studio with Portland's very own Portugal, The Man, recently. Can you tell us about that experience?
1: Uh, Yeah, I just finished uh, producing some songs and and writing some songs for an indie film called Puppy Love, and um, it's kind of a a dark, uh, almost sort of a Quentin Tarantino-esque film about a homeless guy who falls in love with a, a a hooker who, and she moves in, they lived in his car together for six months. And this, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a film about their relationship based on a true story. Anyway, the director, Michael Maxis, um, really loved, uh, one of the bands that we had some of the temp music in was, uh, Portugal, the man. And, um, wow. And I called them up and asked them if they wanted to record a song specifically for the film. And we did, and it was great. We did the whole track in a day. And, um, it's really, it's, it was really, really fun to do, uh, brought in a string player and a cello player and orchestrated some strings behind the, the arrangement. But it was it was a great experience, and I'd, I'd seen them a couple times before. I never really met them, and they're awesome dudes. Really lovely guys. You know, they're, they're, they remind me of me because they're from Alaska. You know, so they're they're kind of hosers in a way. You know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Now I'm glad you mentioned Poppy Love because you've you've mentioned that in interviews. Uh, I wanted to find out what the progress on that was because you wrote a few songs for this, and you know you're looking to do more soundtrack work. Yeah,
1: I just uh, the film was pretty much edited um, in the end of June, and then the, the the main star Hopper Penn, as the son of uh, Sean Penn and, and uh, Robin Wright, and they both saw it and had some comments for. Um, the edit so I think they've trimmed the edit maybe trimmed about 10 minutes out or eight minutes out something just to tighten it up a little bit mm-hmm. and um, and I think Robin is going to try and walk it into or help get it into a couple festivals right now they've got uh, indie distribution slated for it and I think they're trying to get a, a bigger more universal distribution for the film so we gonna. I was supposed to come out in uh, October but now I think it's slated for possibly a February release so um, but it, it depends on if they get in some festivals and stuff too. Then that that may change the release date. But um, the film is great. It also I, I produced a track with LP. Um, I wrote a song with her and, and produced a track. I did two songs with the Wayne Newton, who is absolutely incredible. Yes, I and saw Wayne that. Wayne has yeah. a has a part. Yeah, Wayne has a part in the film, uh, a, a character in the film, and uh, he was amazing to work with. And I worked with Josh from Fantagram on a couple of tracks, and uh, Kurt Vile uh, has a couple of tracks in the film, and uh, so it's and it's quite an eclectic soundtrack. There's a uh, there's a lot of really interesting songs, like both old and new, and, and some of them quite uh, right. uh, rare. You know, there's some of these sort of obscure tracks that uh, that we unearthed for the film, so. Uh, it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it sounds really cool. I know you've cited Fantagram as sounding very much like the, the production from Garbage too.
1: Yeah, yeah, I hear I hear a little bit of their sound in and, and, and sounding Garbage-esque, but I'm, I'm I'm a big fan of their band. and I mean, I think they have their own sound, but um, I I can hear a little Garbage influences in in some of their arrangements, and uh, you know, I think that's cool. And Josh is awesome. I haven't met Sarah yet. I just worked on on the film. Just I I worked with the. Uh, Josh on it, and we we did some writing and programming together, and and uh, he's super cool, man. It was really fun to work with.
0: <laughs> That's wonderful. I'm really glad that you got to work with Fantagram. Um This is more of a comment than a question. I really enjoyed watching uh, the Smart Studio story, especially Steve Marker with a full head of hair.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was a long time ago, obviously. Uh, yeah, hats off to the director Wendy Schneider. She she really put together a really entertaining film, I think. And uh, it was. And she approached Steve, and yeah. She, when she approached Steve and me about making a documentary, we were like, "Really? What's the story here?" We had a recording studio, so what? But she sort of found these threads about uh, you know underground and independent mm-hmm. independent music in the Midwest and the DIY sensibility, and then sort of the journey that we went on you know, leading to work with bands like the Pumpkins and Nirvana and whatever. And, um, and it's a pretty, you've seen the film, it's a pretty yes. fun romp. Through, you know, 90 minutes, uh, just it just rolls along at a really great clip, and there's a lot of information, I think, that if anyone's even interested in uh, music from the Midwest in that time period, there's a lot of, it's, it's a good 90-minute story.
0: Right. Kind of a love affair with the, the Midwest. Um, it seems like you got your big break from working on Killdozer's 12-point book. That's what I got from that film.
1: Yeah, yeah, really. That's really true. Um, you know, they were signed to Touch and Go, and I think Twelve Point Buck was maybe the fourth album that we did with them, um, or that I did with them. But you know, they didn't. Um, they probably didn't sell very many records back then. Maybe five thousand or ten thousand copies. But uh, a lot of indie bands that were coming of age at that time heard that Killdozer record, including. Billy Corgan, yes.
0: and the Pumpkins,
1: and including Kurt Cobain and all, and and the people at Sub Pop. So, um, the record was very influential. And if you've ever heard Twelve Point Buck, it's I a god awful sound. You know, it's really <laughs> dirgy, and uh, Mike Gerald has you know a voice from hell. And uh, <laughs> uh, but the, but the production is interesting, and the songs are, are you know there's some humor in the lyrics, and um, and uh, the, you know that the, the, there is the we sort of up the production values on that record. I mean so it's more of a studio sounding record for Killbowser, but uh, I think that's what caught the attention of a lot of those uh, bands that I mentioned
0: earlier I've got kind of a silly question for you would you cite Go Pack Go as your greatest achievement
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's right up there let me tell you uh the first time I went to Lambeau and they played Go but so we sent it to the music director there. and They played it about four or five times in the game, and, and Chad James, the singer, and I stood up and just howled every time it came. <laughs> and uh, there's a couple. There's a couple versions of Go Pat Go. There's one that came out in the '70s that they play all the time. That's and right. Obviously, the one we did is in the in the. I came out in the uh, white year. We did a 2000 and. Now I mean I guess uh, Farb was still on the team,
0: right? Um, yes.
1: Because the re- original version in the solo, there uh, Chad checks Brett Farb, but then he retired. Well, he didn't retire. First, he went to the Jets in Minnesota, whatever. But um, he we had to take that out. We had to you do another know, mix and just leave it, it instrumental, so it will really kind of it can be played in perpetuity, <laughs> At Lambo. <laughs> but I have to tell you, it's a pretty amazing thrill to uh, to be there. And uh, and uh, hear that on a tangent uh, or on a, on a, a side note related to that, um, there's a chance Garbage might be playing Lambeau Field um, before on Monday Night Football when the Packers play the 49ers. So we Holy just got cow. a call from ESPN a couple weeks ago just to, just to do one song, and we're either going to do it on the field or in the, in the foyer, you know, where Vince Lombardi's statue is. And we're not really sure the logistics. Sounds like it's a go, and uh, and we're in we're in the Midwest at that time touring, so logistically we can make it happen. Wow. So uh, that'll be uh, that'll be another uh, amazing, uh, an amazing gig, I'm sure. You know, so we're we're pretty excited about that, and hope yeah. that it happens.
0: Wow, that is amazing. You know what else is amazing? Yeah. A 29 tie. That was a
1: kick in the butt, man. Uh, okay. We were on tour in Europe, and uh, and Duke and Steve and I and some of our crew went to a, a Packer bar in Cologne, Germany. Yep, there's a Packer bar in wow. Cologne, Germany.
0: Who knew? And,
1: uh, yeah, who knew? And, um, you know, it's like, first thought the Packers are going to win, then thought they are going to lose, and ended up in a tie, and after three and a half hours you just feel kind of, like you got sucker punched, you know. Although, I, I honestly, got it. a tie is better than a loss, you know. And right, uh, what do you do? So we'll see what happens at the end of the season.
0: You're not used to it with American football. In soccer, you are, but not with American football.
1: Yeah, and you know they shortened the overtime now to ten minutes, and there's just one. And so if nobody scores, uh, then that's it. I kind of think they should do sort of what they do with college football where each team gets the ball and like it's 30 yard line and the 25 yard line each get a chance to score and then they keep they keep rotating each team rotates until one team is ahead of points and there you go so there's clearly a winner you know it's like a shootout a penalty kick in soccer too which i think are exciting i know a lot of people don't like penalty kicks in soccer but uh, to me it's incredibly incredibly high drama right
0: Shirley's taken on a bigger role with production over the years. It seems uh, is that because she's grown in confidence.
1: Yeah, very much so. You know, we're out celebrating uh, the 20th anniversary of Version 2.0, and that's the record where she really came into her own. You know, she wrote all the lyrics on the record, and and really became more of a front person on stage. You know, she really just gained a lot of more confidence in herself, and you can hear that in her singing on the record. Um, and we're the tour so far has been great i mean we're it's it's uh it was a bit tricky to get up and rolling because we're playing all the songs from version 2.2.0 plus all the b-sides which we would never played before so we had to, it was the rehearsals were long and arduous <laughs> learning all those songs but i have to say it's been really fun uh that the the shows have been really fun because they're quite different from our normal shows and uh so I think anybody who come, any garbage fans who are going to come to the show are going to be in for a real treat.
0: Wow, the B sides too? That's remarkable. There was a,
1: a yeah, and the hardest thing was trying to sequence the set. You know, to put in nine or ten B sides and you know, sprinkled in with the uh, the twelve songs from the album. And uh, and I think it works. It definitely is. Uh, it's like a roller coaster ride through the set. So there's a lot of dynamics, but uh, we, we feel like the set has a pretty good flow now.
0: Mm-hmm. And then after this, you'll be touring with Five Billion in Diamonds for a short tour, correct?
1: Well, there's talk of that, but honestly, uh, it's hard because uh, Five Billion in Diamonds is uh, myself, primarily myself and two of my DJ friends over in England, but the band is comprised of, like, seven or eight people who are spread all over the place right, in, uh, right. in Switzerland and throughout England and... Uh, and upstate New York, and Canada, and uh, Minneapolis. And so to get a show together, uh, to get everybody together to rehearse and actually uh, pull off a show, especially when everybody has uh, other schedules, you know, proper jobs or whatever, um, it's been hard to coordinate. But we're working on it. We're, we're going to try and do it. We're also uh, almost done with a new album, with a second album. That's been kind of fun to work on. We have okay. some new some new surprise guest vocals on it, um, which would be pretty cool to uh when it's all finished and mixed
0: wow that's great uh, helen did a great job on the vocals especially on traveling i really yeah. love that song yes
1: yeah yeah cool thanks for saying that portland's one of our favorite cities and uh we have a couple of good friends who live up there who are coming to the show so it's always good to hang with them and uh I, it's a good foodie city too and we're all foodies so we're you know, we'll try and sneak in a good meal some at some point when we're up there for the day. So we're, we're looking forward to it. Right. Also, I believe um, it's probably a Packer game on at some point on Sunday. I haven't looked at the schedule yet, but uh, I'm sure there's a the Packer the bar in Portland, right? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, there's Packer bars everywhere. There's got to be. There's Packer bars everywhere.
0: <laughs> so Larry Crane, I know you know him.
1: Yeah, he's great. Larry's great. I just got my new copy of uh, Tape Off in the mail, and I'm saving it for the flight up to Seattle on uh, uh, tomorrow, actually.
0: Well, thank you again, Butch. Uh, really appreciate you talking with us today. Yeah, thank you very much, and we'll see you Sunday. Yes, see there. Cheers. Cool. Bye-bye. Today's show was produced and edited by Gregory Day, that's me. If you'd like to contact me directly, you can reach me at greg at pdxpodcast.com. We'll be back very soon. Please check your feeds if we release a bonus episode this week. It's very possible. Thanks for tuning in again. We'll see you at least by next week.